take your Bibles this evening as we continue looking at the book of John through the Feast of Israel. And uh, we are in John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And up on the screen, again, for you are the year, the calendar of Feast of Israel. And the very first feast that we looked at, we started in the springtime, and Jesus' ministry started with the Feast of Passover. And uh, that first Passover, anybody remember that? What, what that was, the Passover? What was that? Passover with the people, that's right. He spent that first Passover with the people. And then we went, we went around, and then we looked at the Feast of Trumpets. And we talked a lot about the Feast of Trumpets and the witnesses and, and all that goes with that. And then uh, we moved all the way around. Then we looked at the second Passover, and uh, that was uh, the Passover to the people. And Jesus had several different messages that he preached at that second Passover. And now we're continuing in Jesus' ministry. And uh, again, we are uh, in the second year of that ministry, and we're now in the second fall. And tonight we're going to be looking at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, when you look at this, John chapter 7, all the way through John chapter 10, all takes place during the Feast of Tabernacles. So three and a half chapters of John all deal with what goes on at the Feast of Tabernacles. Tonight what we're going to do is we're going to sort of set the groundwork and the basis for what the tab Feast of Tabernacles was really all about. Because if we're going to understand what John is saying in John 7, 8, 9, and 10, we really have to understand that feast and everything that went along with it. Because again, what John teaches here, a lot of it comes right out of the Feast of Tabernacles. Look with me there in John chapter 7, as you, if, if you would. And um, you'll notice it says in verse 7, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. He's talking about he was, again, continuing his ministry up in, Gal up in the area of Galilee. Jewry was really considered in Judea down in southern uh, Israel. Let me see, I think I have a, somewhere in this, there it is. On the map, you'll see up at the top, up here, at the very top is Galilee, and that's where a lot of Jesus' ministry took place. Um, Judea is really where what we might call Jewry. That was the center of Jerusalem where the Pharisees and the Sadducees were. And so by this time in Jesus' ministry, the Sadducees and Pharisees are really seeking to kill him. In fact, not only are they seeking to kill him, there's a lot of Jewish people who are seeking to kill him. So again, his ministry, again, is being focused up north in Galilee, and he's going back and forth across the Sea of Galilee. So that's where this Feast of Tabernacles takes place. So it says there in verse 2, Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. And uh, you'll see up in verse 8, he tells his disciples, Go ye up unto the feast, I go not yet unto the feast, for my time is not yet fully come. When he had, when he had said the, these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then, he, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were a secret. And we're going to find out more about that as we begin to talk about this feast. 
But let me, let me just read something to you so you get a feel of what this feast was about. From a distance it appeared the temple was burning. Great fires could be seen leaping high into the night sky. Light from the flames swept the city with intensity that seemed to brighten every courtyard in Jerusalem. Worshippers on their way to the night-long service at the temple passed strange, leafy little huts standing outside houses in courtyards and even on rooftops. Light shone through them, projecting shadowy patterns against the buildings on the flagstone streets. The source of the illumination was discovered just beyond the beautiful gate. Inside the court of the women, four huge golden candelabras, each with four bowls atop it, stood in the court. Young priests joyfully scaled ladders with containers of oil to fill the receptacles, insert cloth wicks, and ignite them. One could hear gasps of delight as the throng was dazzled by the sudden burst of light. They crowd, the crowd moved back to make room for the entry of the men of piety and of good deeds. These came into the court, every man holding a torch, and began dancing in circles around the candlesticks, singing songs of praise to Jehovah. Levite musicians holding instruments, harps, lutes, cymbals, and trumpets, lined the 15 semicircular steps that led up to the um, Nick, Nicknar Gate. There they played and sang hymns from the Jewish pilgrims who had gathered from all sections of the inhabitant of the world. Now when it says they've gathered from all sections of the inhabitant of the world, it's really talking about they've gathered from all over uh, the area. So this, this feast is one of those feasts where you would come to the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus is going to leave Galilee and he's going to make that trip. He sent his disciples ahead, but he's also going to make that trip down to the city of Jerusalem where he's going to celebrate the feast of Passover, or excuse me, where he's going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, when we look at the Feast of Tabernacles, um, it was established back in the Old Testament. So we want to go back and see where it was established. So take your Bibles, go back to the book of Leviticus, if you would. All the way back to Leviticus, where this feast was established for the, for the Jewish people. Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23. Verses 34 through 44. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. So right off the bat, how many days is the Feast of Tabernacles going to last? Seven. So we know it's a celebration that goes for seven days. Feast of Tabernacle goes for seven days. Um, on the first day shall be a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work. Therein. So on that first day, they were not supposed to do any work whatsoever, just a day of celebration. It says, Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you 
and ye shall offer an offering made of fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no work therein. So on the first day, and actually the, the, the feast went seven days, but then there was a, what they call a Sabbath day, or a holy day, and that made the, the whole celebration eight days. But on the eighth day, just like on the first day, they didn't what? Didn't do any work. No work, just sacrifices were made on that day. It goes on to say, um, verse 37, These are the feast of the Lord, which he shall proclaim to a holy convocation to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering, a sacrifice and a drink offering, everything upon his day. Besides the Sabbath of the Lord, and beside your gifts, and beside all your vows, and beside all your freewill offerings, which ye give unto the Lord. Also, in the fifteen days of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. Now look at verse 39, because... There's something important about that verse. In the midst of the tabernacles, which we're going to talk to, in the midst of this tabernacle feast, they are also celebrating something else. What are they celebrating? First fruits, okay? They're, they're, they're celebrating the first fruits. Gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord. And so almost this feast is just like what we're getting ready to celebrate this Thursday. What are we going to celebrate? Thanksgiving, and where it's, it's a time Thanksgiving started out with what? The pilgrims. And it started off with the feast, the feast of Thanksgiving. They were thanks, thankful for what God had given them. This whole thought of Thanksgiving feast is not new. It goes all the way back here into God's word because this feast of tabernacles, part of it was a time of thanking God for the harvest and what he had done. So we see that in verse 39. Um, and it says in verse 40, And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of uh, godly tree branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year, and it shall be a statute for e ever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Why do Jewish people still celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles? What did God say? You'll do it what? You'll do it forever. You'll do it forever, he says. It's going to be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but do you know what? Someday, we will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles just like the Jewish people do. The feast will be celebrated during the millennial reign of Christ. And we'll, we'll get to celebrate in those feasts with him. Now, when you go back up to verse 40, there's something that's important about this feast, and you'll see that. He says, uh, you'll take on the first day, so the, just when the feast starts, you'll take boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook, ye shall rejoice. Now, he's not very specific, but why are they taking, why are they gathering these branches and these leaves? What's this called? It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. The word tabernacle means to what? To dwell. When we say God tabernacled with us, we're saying that God dwelt with us. 
And so what they're going to do is every Jewish person during this feast is going to make a dwelling place for God. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Verse 42, you'll see it here. You shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israel born shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So remember when they came out of Egypt and they wandered, they wandered in the wilderness for 40, for those 40 years, what did they dwell in? Tents and booths. Okay, things that were temporary is what they dwelled in. So booths are going to be an important part of this celebration. And there's really three aspects of this celebration. There's a past aspect of this celebration. Um, you see that there in verse 43, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. So there's the, the Feast of Israel, or the Feast of Tabernacles, which Jewish people still celebrate today. There's a past aspect of it, and that past aspect is it's for them to look back and remember, while they were in the wilderness, God gave them dwelling places. God dwelt with them in the wilderness. That's the past aspect of the Feast of Tabernacles. There's also, if you would, a present aspect. We find that in verse 39, a aspect of thanksgiving. It was a time of extended national thanksgiving, a time to thank the Lord for the crops, for the rain, um, that God would send to repair the land for another abundant yield. So in the past, they look back to what God had done, and right now at the Feast of Tabernacles, they were thanking God for what he was doing. Past aspect of Feast of Tabernacles, present aspect of Feast of Tabernacles, and then there is a future aspect. So to see that, though, you have to go to Numbers. Take your Bibles and go to Numbers. Numbers chapter 29. So past aspect is remembering that God dwelt with his people in the wilderness. Second aspect is God being thankful to God. And then there's a future aspect. There's a future aspect of this. And it was looking ahead to Christ ruling and reigning here on earth. And um, we see this here in the book of Numbers uh, starting with verse 12 of chapter 29. And on the 15th day, on the seventh month, ye shall have a holy convocation, ye shall do no service or no work, and ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. And ye shall offer a burnt offering, a sacrifice made by fire of sweet savor unto the Lord. Thirteen young bullocks, two rams, and fourteen lambs on the first year, or other means they have to be, before they're one years old, they have to be offered. So that's the what he's telling you about all these animals. The bullocks, the rams, and the lambs all have to be in the one year age. They shall be without blemish. And their meat offering shall be of flour mingled with oil. Their three-tenth deals unto every bullock of the thirteenth bullock. Two-tenth deals to each ram and two rams. So he's telling you how they're going to be divided up amongst the priests there. And several tenths deal to each lamb of the fourteenth lambs, and one kind of goat for a sin offering, besides the continual burnt offerings, his meat offerings, and his drink offerings. So in this, what is going on all during the celebration? 
offerings. There's lambs being offered. There's bullocks being offered. Um, there are there's drink offerings. There's meat offerings. So this is a time again offering God back to Him for what He's done for them. And and as you go through here, I'm not going to take the time. I would encourage you to read this. You can read from chapter or from verse 12 all the way up through verse 36 where he's dealing with this whole celebration. And in this, you're going to see that every day, on the 13th, first day, they slaughter 13 bullocks. On, day, on the second day, they slaughter 12. On the third day, 11. On the fourth day, verse 23, um, 10. On the fifth day, it drops down to 9. On the sixth day, it goes to 8. So they each day, it's less bullocks that, the, that they're... Um, sacrificing to the Lord. And, and again, this is all about sacrifices and that God is going to take and there's a, who is going to be this whole sacrifice and this whole long week of bloody sacrifices, who is going to be the final sacrifice? What's it looking towards? Christ. It's looking towards Christ and, and his kingdom that he's going to come and set up. So, there's the past, present, and future aspect of this. Now, there are two dominant features. Whenever you think of ta tabernacle, there's two dominant features that you're always going to want to remember. The first one is light. The very first one is light. And we, we read about that um, when, we, when we first, when I read you that little description. As you entered into the city, if you stood at the Feast of Tabernacles any of those nights and you look down towards Jerusalem, you would see that the city was just lit up brightly. I think of it almost of when, and I saw it this, I saw it tonight because my neighbors two doors down put up their Christmas lights today and had them on tonight when I walked out. Christmas for us is a time of what? Lights. It's this time of lights, time of celebration. Well, it's the same thing. Lights is a very important part of this celebration. Giant candlesticks and torches uh, were used. And we talked about these giant candelabras that were just inside the gate of the city that lit up the whole city. And that would draw in the evening, that would draw a great audience of people. And it would be a great time of celebration. As I read to you earlier, what else was going on? There was what we might call a band playing. I named all those instruments. So there would be a band playing. And what else was going on? People in tents, but in the celebration, there was what? The lights were lit, there was this band playing, and there was, we won't say this real loud in this fundamental church, but there was dancing. Okay? There was dancing going on. And I know that's hard for us to believe, but there was. There was dancing going on. And, it, and dancing is a big part of the Jewish custom and a part of their celebration and a part of their feast. Okay, just when we looked at the marriage, when we looked at the marriage that Christ went to, uh, when he turned the water into wine, remember those feasts, those marriage celebrations lasted for seven days, and a big part of those was a lot of music and a lot of joyful dancing. Um, not here to say dancing's right, but I am here to say that David did what? Danced before the Lord, and for what? He danced joy because the ark was being brought back. And this type of dancing was not the sexual, provocative type of dancing 
that we might see today, this was a very joyful dancing of people just celebrating God and who He was. And, and that's what it was. These huge lights were lit up, and then this band was playing, and everybody was coming into the city to celebrate that they served a God who had tabernacled with them, who had was there to spend time with them. So illumination was a big part of this. Um, we've talked about the giant candles. We talked about the men coming in carrying torches to open up the feast. And uh, a big part of this feast was uh, took place at night. Because remember, it was only the first day that you didn't work. Or the rest of the days you worked. And so if you were going to celebrate, when would you, work? When would you celebrate? At night. So a big part of the Feast of Tabernacles took place at night. And if you were a Jewish person, here's what would happen. You would work all day, and you would come home, and you would go to your booth. Let me back up here. Here's a, here is a Jewish booth. This is called a tabernacle. This, uh, when I lived in New Jersey, we lived near Cherry Hill, and uh, big Jewish population. Whenever it was the time of Feast of Tabernacles, you could drive through Cherry Hill and you could see booths set up in people's yards that look much like this. Okay? And they'd be all over. So if you would come home and you wouldn't go inside your house. You would go into your booth. Here's, there's the outside. Here's what the inside looked like. Okay? Very decorative, celebratory. Um, and you'll notice what, what's there. It's a place to sit and eat. So I would come home from work. I would go into my booth, tabernacle with God in a sense. It was a, where God was dwelling. And uh, I would have my dinner. And then I would immediately head downtown to Jerusalem. Or I would, if my, I was, had my booth, if I lived within the city gates of Jerusalem, I'd still have a booth somewhere in the city. And I would leave my booth and I would head over to the gate where all the celebration was happening. This went on every night. Because it was really a celebration in the, in the evening, each night when these big, huge candles were lit. So, a big part of this, this celebration was this illumination that took place. Um, so we have the illumination. The second big part of this was the water libation was water. So light and water were two big parts of this celebration. And uh, what would happen, um, the, the water here, um, exactly what would happen is um, these men, one of the most intriguing acts of worship witnessed by the assembled, I'm, I'm going to read this to you, witnessed by the assembled mass was the outpouring at the temple. A priest was dispatched daily to lead a procession from the temple to the pool of Siloam. He carried a golden pitcher and walked to the accompaniment of music until he reached the pool, and there he filled the vessel with water. The return to the temple was time to correspond with the place of the burnt offering on the altar. Priests trumpeted his arrival and entrance through the west gate into the court of the priest. There he was met by another priest, one who was... Um, designated to carry the wine drink offering. Together they walked up to the rise to the altar. Water and wine were poured into two silver funnels. With this act, the singing of the great Hala began. At the conclusion of the outpouring, 
the priest would walk in procession once around the altar chanting, O then, work now salvation, Jehovah. O Jehovah, send now prosperity. On the last day, the great day of the feast, also called the great Hosanna, the priest made seven circuits around the altar as Israel had heathen Jericho long ago. Once again, prophetic implications are seen. Gentiles would one day fall before trumpet, uh, triumphant Judaism and join with the true worshipers of Jehovah. So, this water libation or this pouring out of the water was a picture of something very important. We won't take the time there to turn there, but in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 34, why is thy name of it called the drawing out of water? Because the, of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, according to what is said, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3 is talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out. So, it was a picture of what? It was a picture of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So whenever we say, whenever we talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, immediately we're going to know that there are they were doing what? They were dwelling in tabernacles. That was a picture of Jesus dwelling with his people in the tabernacles as they left Egypt. Whenever we talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, we're going to know that the two main parts of the celebration, one was that that took place at night, it was what? Lights. The second one took place in the morning. It was the libation or the pouring out of water, which was a picture of the Holy Spirit. So when we look at these celebrations, I want to look at one other portion of Scripture. T take your Bibles and go back to 1 Kings chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8, it says, Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers, the children of Israel, unto, the, unto, Sol unto Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. So what feast is this? Feast of Tabernacles. So this event here in Kings is going to take place during the Feast of Tabernacles. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, even those that did the priest and the Levites bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen, that could not be told nor numbered for their multitudes. So hundreds, thousands of sacrifices are going on here. And the priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord unto his place, into the oracles of the house, to the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their two wings over the place of the Ark, and the cherubims covered the Ark, and the staves therefore above. 
Now, what's taking place here? They're bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. Um, it says, verse 9, there was nothing in the ark uh, save the two table stones which Moses put there at Horab when the, uh, the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel. So a copy of the Ten Commandments was in the ark. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. So the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. Now it's interesting here, they're bringing the tabernacle back to Jerusalem, putting it back in the temple. The tabernacle was all, the, the ark was a picture of what? It was a picture of God. God dwelling with his people. And so they bring it back, and what happens? The Shekinah glory of God shows up. What is the Shekinah glory of God? It is a what? It's a light. It's this bright light that we can't even look upon it because of God's holiness. And, it, and I believe that the whole tabernacle glowed for, with light during this. And so it's interesting. Here we are in the midst of the Feast of Tabernacles, God dwelling with us, and here's the picture of God's ark, God coming back to the temple to dwell with His people. And so we have it taking place right during the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, let me ask you a question. Where does God dwell today? Well, God the Father dwells in heaven, we know that. God the Son is also dwelling in heaven, isn't he? He sits at the right hand making intercession for us. He is our lawyer, he is our representative in heaven. But God the Holy Spirit is tabernacling in us. He's tabernacling within us. He's living within us. So, we, we see that picture laid out for us. Uh, that God, through the Holy Spirit, is tabernacling, dwelling with us. This Feast of Tabernacles is a really important feast because it really talks about God dwelling with us. At the moment of salvation, the moment you cry out and say, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, I believe you were buried, I'm putting my faith in you alone. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes in to tabernacle with us. So, go back to the book of John. John chapter 7. John chapter 8. And I'm going to send you off thinking about one verse because I want you to think about this verse and how it ties in. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's all I'm going to say. I want you to think about that verse and everything we've said tonight. Because remember I told you that everything that Jesus does ties into the feast that he's involved in. Next week we're going to see how the Feast of Tabernacles lives 
and the messages that Jesus proclaims and that's eight days of celebration because there's going to be several um, messages that he shares. There's going to be several things that happen and all of them are going to tie in to tabernacles. So we'll look at that next week. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again as we study the book of John and as we'll look at the verses and chapter 7, 8, 9, and 10 next week, we will see how they are so apropos to the celebration that was going on when Jesus and his disciples arrived there in Jerusalem. And how his teaching, Lord, he took the Feast of Tabernacles and made it live in the lives of people. So Lord, I pray that we'll see that as we go through here and how he ties in these messages to exactly what was going on in the culture of his time. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.